Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Bunna. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating happy, healthy, beautiful homes that prepare us to fly. And I love today's topic. I know, I know you do. This is very exciting. It's so good. So the theme today is the healthy living sweet spot. I didn't come up with this. Annalisha Nimala came up with it and she's our guest today and you are going to absolutely fall in love with her because her perspective on healthy living and body image is just so good that you just want to keep listening to her talk about it, Marjorie. <laughs> All morning you. long. Yeah, keep talking. Keep you talking. totally do. So when we talk about healthy living, I think it's such a loaded word, the word healthy. Well, it's a subjective word. It's totally a marketing word, too. Yeah, there right? you go. Even better. And, Even better. And it's so interesting how when you say, like, I'm trying to eat healthy, I'm trying to be healthy, how that means so many different things for so many different people. And then it also comes loaded, I think, with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. Okay, wait. Where does the guilt and shame come in for you? If you're not living up to it. Now, um, I don't do... Okay. I don't... Now, personally, I don't do guilt and shame when it comes to food at no, all. No, because you're great. I, I mean, your diet's really good. It's pretty good, but even when I eat junky stuff, I just feel like I don't understand the point of feeling guilt is one thing. I don't feel, I don't see the point in feeling shame at right. all, ever. Good. It's good. a terrible emotion. <laughs> it should be completely written off. It's not productive at all. It doesn't make no. you better that, because I, you felt ashamed. I like that you've just hit on that because I am okay with guilt. Yeah. Not so much with shame. You're no. exactly right. You, well, you were raised those. a Catholic, so you're really kidding. recovering. Oh, I'm good. I'm good with guilt. <laughs> not even recovering. I had, I, I'm no longer a practicing Catholic, but my Catholic experiences, and I feel very fortunate, were fantastic. I had wonderful nuns. So I was taught by nuns pretty much my whole life. Uh, yeah. And they were lovely. So not recovering. You don't have the, the full Catholic guilt weight that no, others have. All I do right. not. I'm, I'm, I think I'm of the perfect generation where I, I got to bypass that. So I'm grateful. But. Feminist nuns. Two Feminist words for nuns. everybody. Go for Fantastic. it. Fantastic. <laughs> so healthy can be a loaded term. And I think it can be a real struggle for people to figure out what is healthy and exhausting because so much of it is marketing and what we're told by the government is good to do. And then what we're told that we shouldn't do. And it's like you're just constantly bombarded with messages. And so today is all about trying to find the sweet spot, trying to find this sweet spot in the midst of multiple elements of health. And what and, everybody's telling you. Yes. And then being there. So our guest today is Annalisha Nimala. Now, she helps people who not only want to be fit and healthy, but they want to be fit and healthy in a long-term way and a way that doesn't mess with your mind or the mental health of your children. 
So Ooh, now that's a good one. She has a groundbreaking philosophy, and she is helping people find their unique, healthy living sweet spot. So it's this idea of being healthy with ease in a way that's sustainable and in a way that fosters peace of mind. And she's the leader of the Exercise 180 movement. She's, I mean, she does Pilates and yoga. She's taught all of this for decades. She was trained by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition as a holistic health coach, and her work has been all over the place. So she's I love this. Fantastic. And we are so delighted to welcome Annalisha Nimla to uh, to Twin Cities Live, I almost said. Oh, my gosh. It's best to the nest. Hey, Elizabeth. Breathe. Can you tell I'm getting overwhelmed by my commitments today? Breathe. Oh my gosh, you guys. Good morning, Annalisha. Hi, ladies. You guys, I have podcast recordings. I'm singing a duet with Amy Grant and getting on a flight to Nashville all before 3 o'clock today. That is oh legit what's happening, and yeah, it's 943. And and I can hear it in your voice because you're talking even faster than usual because <laughs> it's almost like I have to fit everything in and I have to make sure I make my flight. And I totally get that kind of day. Maybe in I, post they can slow me down. Well, I don't know. I think I like how fast we talk usually, Elizabeth, because I think we always fit two podcasts in one. So it's fine. It's <laughs> we, fine. It's we what totally we totally do. do. That's so true. Okay. So, Annalisha, I do want to start, though, with you with this idea of health and your body because I know you're so wonderful about talking about how – you haven't always had this viewpoint, and you were really hard on yourself for a long time. I think this is so relatable. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my health journey really began um, in eight, when I was 18, when I heard about the freshman 15 for the first time, which oh, yeah. I'm sure a lot of women can relate to. You go to college, and you hear, like, oh, my God, a lot of girls, you know, gain 15-plus pounds in the first quarter or semester and prior to that, I hadn't really thought about my body or weight or health at all. I was just kind of on autopilot. Um, I was a three-sport athlete in high school, so I just didn't really think about health. And when I, I remember sitting with a bunch of girls in my dorm and hearing about the freshman 15 and feeling this, like, overwhelming anxiety, like, oh, my God, I could get fat, and what does that mean? And I had no idea what to do. I didn't know how to be healthy. I, I didn't have any health habits really in place. And so after that conversation, I decided I was just essentially going to be a gym rat. And so I went every single day to the gym. I would work out for an hour plus. And it um, started to get really obsessive to the point where I would work out even if I was sick. Like I literally remember having a fever and like crawling to my computer and Googling, oh. like, do you burn more calories when you're sick? Oh. Trying to give myself oh. permission to not go to the gym. And you guys, I couldn't, I couldn't find anything on it. So I went to the went gym, to the gym. Day. Yeah. And so it, I really was, you know, I, people thought I was quote unquote healthy, but I was a bundle of anxiety and exhaustion and I had no idea what to do um, until thankfully it kind of, it kind of escalated to this point where I was willing to look at a different way of being. And I found this book called intuitive eating. And intuitive eating was a completely different approach to health than what I was practicing. And it really opened my eyes to this idea that, you know, we've got to be in touch with our feelings and our thoughts along with what we're doing and the results that we want. And that kind of propelled me on a whole different path where then I got intrigued by yoga and holistic health and Pilates and really listening to your body and to your feelings and to a point now where I'm really committed to being a whole different type of leader in the health and fitness realm because I think it's so important to bring these holistic, well, intangible things into the conversation. Because if you don't, 
we're just you just get on that cycle of gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight because you're not looking at how you feel about yourself as a whole person. So I think anybody with determination, um, you know, and I've lived with I've lived with somebody whose diet has gone up and or weight has gone up and down. And mm-hmm. if you're not looking at the whole the whole all of the issues, of course you're gonna and I'm I'm gonna say this word and I, I wanna ask you real quickly about this word. You're gonna get fat. You said I was mm-hmm. afraid of getting fat. I mm-hmm. hate that word. I hate mm-hmm. it so much because I've heard it used around people that I love. And I'm just wondering when you thought that, like that, I don't even know what I'm trying to say because as when you, when you said that word, you thought, oh, I'm going to get fat. Um, it just, my stomach just sort of, um, I just sort of get a little nauseous because I yeah. know how much harm that word has done to people that I love in my life. What do you mm-hmm. say to people well, when uh, they're, when they're thinking about, I want to lose weight? Because I think that's mostly where it starts. I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. tell them to talk to themselves in their head instead of saying, oh, my God, I'm 20 pounds overweight. I'm so fat. What are the mm-hmm. words they should be using in their head first? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a good question. Well, if you, if you like, think back to my story, those were the words I said to myself as my 18-year-old insecure yeah. self, right? Like, I'm going to get fat. And then if you look at how my journey, then the trajectory of my journey is – I was so obsessed with not getting fat that yeah. I had this very um, like unkind journey <laughs> to myself yeah. is one way to put it. Right. And so I, I would agree wholeheartedly. I think um, that word comes with like uh, just like a lack of kindness towards yourself. Yeah. And I think it, when that is the primary goal, um, typically there is a lot of ridicule towards yourself. And so it's, I always, I always like to get to the goal behind the goal behind the goal. Does, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. And so if someone, yep. you know, were to sit down and tell me that, then we'd have a longer conversation about like, you know, kind of like, well, tell me why. And then tell me why. And then tell me why. <laughs> until we yeah. hit on the thing that's really the thing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it, it does. Totally because, does. That, I mean, if if you just teach yourself and constantly tell yourself that being fat is the worst possible thing that you could be. Yeah. I mean, that's really what you're doing, Annalisha, right? I mean, if you're, you were saying to yourself, this is the worst possible thing that I could be. I mean, you are missing out on so many other things in life because you're just focused on that when your weight is not who you are and your weight is not your value. But we are constantly told oh. that it is. You know, I remember, yeah. um, being, this was, um, four years ago. After I'd had Bernie, and I think I've talked about this before, Marjorie, you definitely know about this. Bernie had um, really terrible eczema and food allergies when she was born, Mm. and we couldn't figure out why she was breaking out, why she was reacting, and I was nursing her exclusively. And um, I learned that what I was eating was impacting her um, inflammation and her eczema. I mean, I would touch dairy, you guys, and nurse her, and sh- her oh. cheeks would fire in flame. Oh. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was really unbelievable. And I'd never dealt with any sort of food sensitivities like that before, so I had no idea how to even get through this. But I then had to cut out about 10 things from my diet, purely out of my child is reacting to this. Right. And I out am dedicated to breastfeeding her. And so I cut out all grains, all sugar, all oh, wow. dairy, all nuts, all of these things that were 
causing her to react, I was eliminating from my diet. And so what happened, you guys? I got crazy skinny. I mean, yeah. I was the thinnest mm-hmm. I've ever been. And the amount of praise yeah. that I yep. received during that time in my life was <sighs> shocking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people everywhere were like, you're amazing. Look at you. Look at yeah. how thin you are. Look at how you just had a baby. Look at how great you are. And in the inside, I was dying yeah. because every mm-hmm. single time I put a bite of food in my mouth, I was terrified yeah. of what was yeah. going to happen to her. And it was awful. And you're getting praised for all the wrong things. Not praised because you're being so mindful about what's going to affect your daughter. Totally. For getting praised Mm -hmm. because you're super Because, oh, you look how how thin you are. And so, Annalisa, when you talk about that, of like being a young girl, and I never Mm -hmm. felt that kind of like, it felt like disordered eating to me. Yeah. And it was the first time that I really understood what people who live with an eating disorder go through. And I just felt a lot of empathy for that. <laughs> yeah. And I cried. Because it's thank you for sharing no. that. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. Because I think, I think about that. Like one, one thing I talk about is, it, you know, when I was in the most like total psychological warfare time of my life is when I got praised the most as well. Yeah. Yep. And it's, it's, um, it, it really is traumatic because it's hard to break the cycle then or you have this fear of doing things with more ease and more peace and more joy because, you know, you don't know if you can maintain what everything, everybody is praising. For and sure. so I, I always talk about, like, we have to be more mindful about what we're praising and what in we're other saying. people because it has a huge effect. And just because someone has lost weight doesn't mean it's, like, worthy of, of praise because you don't know what's going on between their ears. Yeah, that's well, so ladies, true. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Ladies, were three for three. So I was in when I was about 22 or 23, I was working in the news business and I'm five, four and I was 93 pounds. Oh, my gosh, Marjorie. And getting more praise from everybody but my family. But everybody Mm. at work, you know, super tiny, super thin. And to the point of you don't know what's going on in somebody's life. For me, the more I got praised, the more obsessive I became about not eating. Because yeah. you just think, oh, my God, yeah. you know, and I look great. Yeah. And, you know, you think you just look so great. You know, I was a size two. And, mm-hmm. you know, weighing 90, weighing anywhere in the 90s when you're 23 years old and you're 5'4 is not healthy. Because I know what I was eating then, which was almost nothing but coffee. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do think, and I, I know people are trying to be kind, but I think sometimes what they don't realize is when they praise somebody who's super thin um, for most people, that's not natural. For most people, I mean, there are people out there who are just tiny by nature. But for most people to be that small, it's not natural. And so there is probably something else going on. And you have to be careful about how you praise that. Because like in your case, Elizabeth, I'm sure, and for me, and for all of us probably, what that makes you feel like is, oh, my God, if I gain 10 pounds, will I not be as attractive? Oh, yeah. It was that, you know, and then and you can't help but go down that rabbit hole. It's impossible to not even no matter how how, you know, healthy you feel like your self image and your confidence is. It's impossible Mm -hmm. to not. So, Annalisa, I wonder and I know I want to talk about kind of finding that sweet spot for sure. But I do want to ask you, since we sort of went down this road and, you know, I cried in the podcast, which is the whole thing. Um, what, um, when we're talking to people about their weight. So if you have a good, say you have a very good friend. Okay. So say I see Marjorie and I haven't seen her in a while and I go, Oh my gosh, 
you look great. And maybe she's lost five pounds or 10 pounds, or maybe she's just like glowing and bounding and seems like she has a lot of energy. What are the ways that we can, you know, compliment women in our lives on whatever sort of, you know, healthy thing that they're doing that's clearly making them happier and better without going into that territory of just skinny praising? Skinny praising, yeah. This is such a good question. This is such a good question. So it's making me think, first off, of this study done where um, they found that uh, that girls are most often met with praise based on their looks. And young girls is most likely like, oh, you're so cute, or that's such a cute dress. Um, and how people don't know how to greet women in our culture with um, a form of praise other than that. Yeah. So after I heard about that study a few years ago, it it's like a practice in my life to just start always just by saying something like, it's really good to see you. Mm-hmm. Oh, and oh, I like no, that. Nothing about, nothing about their looks or, you know, and, and then that gives like a, you know, like a, it's a nice, it's about who they are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, what I'm trying to portray is like, it's good to see you if you're 20 pounds thinner or 20 pounds heavier. And it's good to see you if you're having a bad day or if you're having a good day, like it's just good to see you. Oh. And oh, I kind I've of like that. It's so simple, yeah. but it's so kind. It's <laughs> just good to see you. I've never said yeah. that to anybody. I love that. And then I feel like when you like when you say that and you mean it, it opens up this door for people to tell you a little bit about what's going on in their life. And then, you know, I, I think there's room for praise when about what people are doing or the results they're getting. Like once you've had a conversation and you know they're truly like um, you know, they're, they're living their healthy sweet spot. They're not like being unkind to themselves. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. And and so it becomes a much more human experience where it's not just about like a tagline to say, but just like a conversation to be had. And you, you can start to feel whether someone needs support or whether they really need like a high five and like, this is awesome. Um, and I think, you know, it's like, that's, that's what relationships are about. That's what being human is about. Um, but for me, it just starts with that simple phrase. Like it's really, it's really nice to see you. I, I love, love that. that. Yeah. I love that. It's just you as a person. And you're totally right. I love what you yeah. said about 20 pounds heavier, 20 pounds lighter. Bad day, good day. Day. I'm yep. happy that I get to see you. That makes me pleased. And that's such a mm-hmm. wonderful way to acknowledge another human and make them feel important and remember that they are important yeah. and that them and that they're just enough just the way that they are showing up right in this moment. Well, and it's yeah. also just an immediate we're going to connect. Yeah, I'm. I'm good. It's good to see you. Yeah. It's just. It's immediate. It's they're just connector words as opposed to you know something more superficial. I, I love that. Yeah, it's great. Well, Anna Alicia, every time I'm around you, it's like a, you're you're like a calming vibe. I mean, you're just <laughs> you're like an immediate just like you need that okay, this morning. It's really peaceful. I know. I know. When I'm trying to jam a thousand things into a day, all things that I love. Um, that is that's such a gift that you give to other people, and so I know. All also, you being so open and honest about um, just never striving for perfection, and you once did mm-hmm. that, helps people mm-hmm. relate to you and figure out, okay, how can I embrace health and wellness and make it part of my life without overtaking my life? So let's talk about your whole method for finding this healthy living sweet spot. And it starts with mm-hmm. adding in, not cutting out. What do you mean by that? Yeah. 
So I, I certainly think there are times in life where, you know, it might be appropriate to go cold turkey on something or like you were when you were saying, you know, with your daughter, like yeah. with food sensitivities yeah. and stuff like it makes sense that sometimes it, it makes sense to cut out. But in general, I resonate a lot more um, with the quote, add in to crowd out, which just means you're focusing on adding in great stuff, vegetables, a lot, water, instead of putting the focus on like, I'm not going to drink wine. I'm not going to, you know, do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to cut my calories. And what ends up happening is you start to get more in touch with how you're feeling. So if you truly start to add in vegetables, in ways that you like them, you're going to start to crave vegetables and it's going yep. to crowd out, you know, the chips or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and I think what a lot of people don't realize if they haven't practiced health in that way is that they don't realize actually that that's possible. Mm-hmm. They think health is always about like monitoring and controlling themselves. Or denying. Of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Instead of really um, trusting that their, their body is wired to be healthy um, and we'll start to give like the appropriate cravings and stuff, the more we trust it. And so it's almost like a practice of trust is like, I'm going to add in great things and trust that, you know, a week from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, like I'm eating and I'm doing a lot of those great things. And the things that I maybe not as proud of, about have been minimized. I love that practice of trusting your body. I think we, yeah. we just look at our bodies with skepticism and fear yeah. And distrust all the time. We're constantly waiting for it to fail us or to mm-hmm. not show up the way that we want it to show up. And I think that saying that you learn to trust your body is a really empowering thing. Well, and I think to something you said at the beginning of the podcast, Elizabeth, I think we think it's complicated because of all of the yeah. messages that oh, are sent so to us. Much, I think right? we think it's we think it's really complicated when it's not. To you know, to your point, it's just. If you if you add in the things that we basically know are good for us, I mean, I think about things the way that my grandmother used to eat. Yeah, and it was all pretty fresh. Yeah. You know, she wasn't anything. I mean, it wasn't. She wasn't a chef. She wasn't. I mean, she wasn't doing anything extraordinary. She was just doing what that generation did because it's what they had. She ate very, you know, pretty small portions, and she ate pretty fresh. You know, and she lived mm-hmm. a pretty healthy life. And I think. I think that that's, we just complicate things by how many choices we have Yeah, and, you know, just add in the good stuff. I love that because it's, it's, it's easier if you think of it that way. It's less complicated. Simplicity is, is another step for you, Annalisha. And I, I think this yeah. is so important to talk about because we are, as Marjorie mentioned, just, it's so overcomplicated. I mean, the thing was, is when your grandmother was eating that way, Marjorie, it's like, that's just what was available. So exactly. that's how you ate. That's well, how you now, ate. I mean... If you, you could pick up a yogurt at a grocery store oh. and you can either be getting something really great or really terrible in the same mm-hmm. section. I mean, and it's hard for people to navigate. So what what do you mean by simplicity, okay. Annalisha? Yeah, so I always tell people err on the side of simple because what I see happening all the time is um, because we don't have these foundations of health in our culture and traditions, you know, like a lot of older cultures have more traditions around foods. They're not constantly questioning things Yeah, because we don't have that in our culture. And we also haven't been taught like great foundations. What I see people do a lot is they kind of neglect their health and then suddenly they want to get quote unquote healthy. And then they'll do this like really complex diet. Mm -hmm. And then, and then they go back to neglecting their health. Um, And so I always, I always tell people like we want to err on the side of simple so that we have safety nets. So you, one day, someday, it might be appropriate or good for you to try a more complex thing, but we want to make sure our safety nets are in place. And so I always tell people, like, my four safety nets 
are water, movement, fruits and veggies, and deep breathing. Oh, there you go. That's easy. So oh, there you go. Like if I'm doing those things on a regular basis, I generally feel really good. And and there might be seasons of my life where I am like doing a lot more and I have a lot more complex recipes and and workout plans. But in general, like if anyone is doing those four things consistently, their body is going to really um, benefit. So Annalisa has this really cool Venn diagram. It is a Venn diagram. Guys. It is a Venn diagram. <laughs> yes. Um with three <laughs> circles, okay? So the circles then all intersect in the center as a Venn diagram does. There's one called success, one peace of mind, one sustainability, and the sweet spot is right in the middle of all of those. So when you look at success, um, because another one of your secrets is setting yourself up for success, what are you doing in that circle so that you can land in the sweet spot? Yeah. So for success, I, you know, like the example I often give is if you were wanting to be a successful piano player, but you'd never played before, you would realize like there's steps to um, get, get there. Right. Yeah. And, and then you would decide not to do playing. it because it's too much work. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And wrong message, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Let's restart this. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. But what I what I do want people to realize is that like being healthy is a skill in our culture because we weren't taught it naturally. Um, like it's not in the fabric of our culture yet, and yep. so it truly is a skill we have to learn. And so. What I see, you know, in a lot of people is like the equivalent when they want to get healthy, it's like the equivalent of sitting down to the piano for the first time and trying to play Mozart. Right. right. Yeah. So they go to like a really hard fitness class when their fitness yes. level just doesn't quite match that right now. And then they're injured or so sore for five days that they don't work out again. So I just always say like, like, just be honest with where you're at in regards to your level and your knowledge and start there. And then baby step your way up to more knowledge and more, you know, higher level of fitness. But there's no need to, you know, we seem to think unless we're like going crazy, we're not healthy. And what I really want people to realize is like you can feel successful in this as you go. Um, And so that's my, I guess, my definition of success in, in this regard when it comes to the sweet spot conversation. That's really good advice, especially as people are going to start making their New Year's resolution to make weight, which, of course, yeah. they will because yeah. we're told to make that resolution at the New Year. And I will say what I love about what you're saying, I want to go that fruits, vegetable, fruits and vegetables, deep breathing, movement, and water. So when you're talking about success and making it easy, I will tell you one of the times in my life where I felt absolutely at my best, I was just walking 30 minutes a day. And I was not power walking. Mm -hmm. I was just walking. Mm -hmm. I was walking around this little lake that I lived near. And it was, I, I wouldn't have looked at it like, oh, I'm so successful in my fitness journey. I just felt good. I felt good because it was time to think. It was time. And I, I, I toned. I didn't lose a ton of weight, but I, I felt pretty toned. And I think that's a really good message to people. It's like, don't go take the hardest level of yoga or don't go and take a cardio class that is going to, you're going to just feel terrible when you're done because you won't go back. And so I think that's really advice going, good advice going into the new year. If people want to feel better, look at it as movement and just start moving. And the fun and the satisfaction is the next secret. And, um, and I would assume that that applies a lot to that movement element, Annalisha, is that right? Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, I always tell people like, 
you know, we seem to think health is like a particular program or something, or it's like this particular routine you did when you were 25 and you were this size, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and what I, what I always like to tell, you know, remind people, like, life is a long time. Yes. Life is a long time. There's going to be so many seasons, and you're going to need different things in different seasons, and you have permission to maximize the fun and satisfaction. Yeah. You have permission to find the right yoga class for you. You have permission, you know, to drop the yoga class and go to the treadmill and watch a movie. You know, you have permission to mold everything to, uh, you know, a, a feeling that equals satisfaction for you. And that comes with food too. You know, one thing I learned in health coach training, they always said like, if you have to put chocolate syrup on your veggies in order to get them in your body and enjoy it, like do it. <laughs> so just like let's not make this so crazy. Like, what makes it fun for you? What makes it enjoyable? And then do it and give yourself that permission slip always. The, I love that. The mental piece of this is also really important and thinking better and willpower are your next oh, secrets wow. to finding the sweet spot and um and I want to know how you think better cuz it's like that's that's mm. the I think the hardest thing to shift is the mindset that we have going on because I don't think we have enough faith in ourselves. And I think we're Mm. so um, outcome oriented that we're just obsessed Mm -hmm. with that final number, which newsflash, once you get to that weight number, I mean, it doesn't just stay there. No. (laughs) Well, if you haven't reevaluated how you're thinking about things, if you haven't changed the way you're thinking about things, you won't stay at that number. And then you're in the cycle and then you're off and running. Mm -hmm. So, so how do we think better? Well, I think the first step is realizing it's valuable to think better. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's oh, yeah. Why it's like secret number five is focus on thinking better. I think if you are at a place where you're willing to be like, oh, my gosh, that is a value because we just we undermine it in our society. We're such an action oriented oriented doing society. And so I think first step is like really being are being aware of what you're thinking and realizing that that has a huge effect. And in um part of my philosophy is not only the Venn diagram, but I also have these quadrants and on the um, horizontal axis is like doing an action. And then on the vertical axis is the intangible. So that's like thinking and being. And what I find is that, you know, one of the reasons I'm so um, passionate about helping people stop praising willpower is because whenever we're using willpower, we're often in what I call the bottom right quadrant. So if you think of like healthy behaviors on the right side and unhealthy on the left and then happy and on the top and unhappy on the bottom, yeah. usually when we're using willpower, we're doing healthy behaviors, but we're unhappy to a certain extent. Oh, and, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 And what, what's, what I found is there's this thing that I call the vicious 180 and um, the vicious 180 is actually this tri- a triangle on the um, four quadrants. And the reason I call it a vicious 180 is because if you add up all the angles of a triangle, you get 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. But it's this like vicious cycle where you're not like doing a true 180 shift where things are getting better um, and you're able to sustain it. So what happens is usually you stay in the bottom right quadrant until like you can't take the exhaustion and the unhappiness. Yep. And then you pop up to the top left where you're uh, you know, a bit more happier and lighter, but you're doing like the unhealthy behavior and you stay there until you feel guilty. And then you drop down and you are like in unhealthy behavior, unhappy. Like that's where the guilt builds up. Oh my gosh. This then, is, you are like 
describing someone in my life like right now Mm. and I it is every time I see her you never know well then you can figure out which quadrant she's in in. where she is oh my gosh Annalisha and imagine how exhausting it is it's exhausting so exhausting because it's either you're on or you're off off. you're unhappy or you're happy yeah yeah and if you're on the health train you're unhappy and if you're off the health train you're unhealthy it's yeah. a, it's so and feeling guilty. And guilty. And guilty. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's exhausting. Yeah. It's it's definitely it, I I call it now a universal pattern because I I do see it play out over and over. Oh, yeah. And I think it just start like a starting point is I'm not going to praise willpower anymore, or I'm going to practice not praising willpower, mm-hmm. um, because I think the top right hand quadrant is where we all want to be, and willpower doesn't it it doesn't exist there. It's not what fuels it what fuels that is inspiration. What fuels that is intuition. What fuels that is a trust in your body. Um, and so I think when coming back to your question of like, how do we think better? I think that's a really good place to start is just noticing when you want to praise willpower in yourself and others, and then realizing that maybe that's not, maybe we've been taught to believe that's a praiseworthy thing, but maybe it's actually doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. You just used a really key word in our family, which is fuel. We talked a lot about when my sons were growing up about what fuels what you're doing and why are you doing it. And it goes back to that idea of what's the question behind the question behind the question. And I think that's a really important thing for people to talk about or think about when they're trying to focus on thinking better is why do I do the things that I do? Because we know, I think we can all sit back and think about, okay, do we know people that fuel their life on anger? They're motivated. The things that they do, they do them because they're angry. Are they motivated by ego? Are they motivated by what's the fuel that runs you to do what you do? And I think when you really sort of establish those things, you know, what's the fuel of why I want to be thin? All of those questions, if you look back to the motivation of why you do what you do, I think that's one of the – and you can tell me because you're the expert. I think that's one of the things that you have to establish when you start to think about how am I going to think better. I think you have to think really yeah. hard about why you do the things you do. Yeah. And that's where you talk about oh, so the why yeah. behind the why behind the yeah. why. And then that comes to the final secret, which is thinking holistically. I mean, it, it's just mm-hmm. we're so trained. I, and I think even just like in our healthcare system, every, you know, if you have a problem with your elbow, you go to the elbow expert. If you have a problem mm-hmm. with your knee, you go to the knee guy, you know, it, versus like this this idea of looking at our whole body and our whole mind. I mean, mental health, we've just designated as completely separate from physical health. When Which is insane. Is insane to Which me. is a weird word to use. but Yes, I, I know. It's just crazy to, like, look at life as so segmented, you know, and it just... Yeah, it's um, when you're when you talk about thinking holistically with regards to this sweet spot and this healthy living, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's such a good question. Well, I, I think, um, you know, going back to the quadrant idea, what I, when I shift to this idea of thinking holistically, I change the labels on the quadrant. So instead of like unhealthy behavior and um, healthy behavior, I just change it to engaged and disengaged. Oh. And then instead of, instead of happy, healthy, I, I change it to freedom and bondage. And oh. what that does for me is then I can, I can think of any area of my life. Because what I always tell people, if you know, if we are robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to speak, for our health, then that shouldn't be labeled as healthy anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in our culture, we seem to think that, you know, like if if we're neglecting relationships or work in order to be healthy, or if we're neglecting, um, you know, our home, so on and so forth, 
for some reason, we've been given permission in our culture to label that as healthy. And what I'm trying to do is completely redefine that. And and so part of that redefining is if you are robbing Peter to pay Paul for something, then that isn't healthy. And then we need to reevaluate what's going on. And so I think um, for me, just changing the labels on those quadrants to be a bit more general gives me a framework to think about my life um, where I can be honest with myself about whether or not I'm doing that. I love those. I love the renaming because those are big, those are big words, freedom and bondage. When you start to think about your life in terms of those ideas, um, that gets really interesting. And those words are more specific and they've been less hijacked by marketing, you know, like happy and healthy, which I mean, and we say happy and healthy on this podcast. We say, we do, you know, we do, but, but there is, (laughs) I know. And every time I say it, I sort of have like a little alarm bell, Marjorie, we might have to do some brainstorming about that because I do think that the words happy and healthy have been so hijacked and also, um, just come with a lot of expectations. Yep. And, Mm -hmm. and when you shift the words that you're using to describe the feelings that you want to have when we've previously said happy and healthy, um, I do think that has a lot of meaning. I want to talk about New Year's resolutions with you, Annalisha, because, you know, um, as people are listening to this, we're heading into the new year and it is such a temptation to go this year, I'm doing this this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. How does this set us up for failure? Because I know you're not going to say does. a New Year's resolution is a good idea. <laughs> I just know it. <laughs> uh, yes. So, you know, I mean, this is a huge, this is a huge conversation. Um, a couple things that are coming up that seem top of mind is, is one thing when um, we set goals that are not what I call, or not what I call, what psychology calls process goals. We, it, it automatically is a bit disempowering. So, for example, if you say, I'm going to lose 20 pounds this year, mm-hmm. that's not a process goal, that's a result goal. And, and I hate to break it to you, but you actually don't have a lot of control over that because that's your body's responsibility, right? right? So, you know, if you are, if you feel really committed to setting a goal, I always encourage people, like, focus on the process goals. So what are things that you can actually do, you have control over that you feel good about? Okay, so like so your moving, your things that you were talking about, like movement, like daily movement yes. or movement, yes. um, you know, regularly. And then, I don't know, focusing on five bottles of water a day or whatever. These are doable. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. And then the big thing when it comes to goals or resolutions is, you know, I guess what we've been taught a lot in our culture is like you can use them as permission to beat yourself up. <laughs> yeah. And that is so, you know, I just, I really want to, you know, give people permission to only use goals as a way to fuel yourself and make yourself feel good about yourself. What I make sure to think about in my own life is, is this goal serving me or am I serving it? Yes. And if yes. it ever flips to I'm serving it, then I know it's not being used in a way that's truly healthy. Mm-hmm. All I was going to say is it, it's interesting as you're talking about New Year's resolutions and how we should look at not doing it. I was thinking, I think this year what I want to do is look at what I did really well this year and say mm-hmm. I want to continue that next year. <laughs> oh, my gosh, then, Marjorie, that's so good. Because yes, I've yes. already achieved it. It's, like it's so attainable. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to do well, that. You can just build off the momentum of success, right? Exactly. Oh, this is yeah. very inspiring. That's really, really good. I know. I like looking at it that way. And, you know, and best to the nest, 
we always talk about bringing it back to your home. And one thing that I thought was so important about talking to Annalisha on this podcast is that, you know, Annalisha provides a lot of content, creates a lot of content for home, including um, workouts and movements that you can do at home. Um, and mm-hmm. what do you think, Annalisha, about this idea of clearly, you know, you're, you love the idea of people working out at home and, and kind of getting that movement feeling. And how does that change the dynamic of your home life. Mm. If you're not feeling like this gym rat pressure, you've got to go somewhere. You have to like, you know, you have to show up and show that you showed up this whole thing. I just feel like the home workout dynamic is so interesting. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and I'll just preface by saying like, I think there, again, there are seasons in life and there's a lot of great ways to be healthy. Yeah. And, it, you know, sometimes going to the gym is really great for a person or myself at certain times. But the two words that come up when, when you ask this question are freedom and cozy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm. those are two, like, think, two values or two ways of being or feelings that are really important to me. When I can feel cozy and when I can feel free, um, I just feel good. It's like it, you feel like yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think there is a power in, um, in working out at home where you can do it whenever you want to. You can look however you want to look. You're not trying to prove something. You're really, it's really about just feeling good because you're not showing up to like prove anything to anybody or look a certain way. Yeah. And, um, I love that about that option. I do too. And for me, I do a very, very, very simple I would just say it's more stretching even than yoga, and I try and do it every day. Mm-hmm. And what I found was I like doing it in the dark. Oh. I just like doing it in the mm-hmm. dark. Nice. And so it, that it goes back to that feeling of cozy, that it's relaxing. You know, I just I play, I follow along from this woman on YouTube, and I can play that. I can play it in the dark, and I'm more likely to do that. It's just a 20 minute stretch, but I'm more likely mm-hmm. to do that at home than I am to go someplace. Because I used to love candlelight yoga stretch classes. Oh, you know, so I used fun. to love that. They're yeah. so nice. Mm-hmm. But you still have to get there. You still have to dress. You still have to do all that. So it's just been a really nice habit to just say, I'm, I just do this at home and turn the lights off. <laughs> it's really, it's very <laughs> relaxing. It. It's very relaxing. But that's so. about, you know, that's about shifting the mindset. And, you know, that kind of brings us just back to the beginning of what we've talked about with, um, with Annalisha from the beginning, which was, you know, what was going on between your ears while you were getting all of this praise for how you looked and it wasn't Mm -hmm. great. And if you can shift the focus from movement as related to I'm doing this so that my body will conform to the expectations that I and everyone Mm -hmm. else have for it to Mm -hmm. I'm moving because it makes me feel free is a fully, it's just a full shift. It's like a total Life change. And that's what you're promoting, Annalisha. I mean, you are really, you talk about these things in a way, and I talk to a lot of fitness people, and you talk about it in a way that nobody else talks about. And I just hope that more and more people continue to hear your voice because I do think that it's important work that you're doing. We love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> it was so nice to meet you. Thank you for being with us. I already made her promise to- she'll oh. come back. <laughs> By the way, I had a pre-conversation with her yesterday, and I said... Okay, so now you're gonna... doing it before we even talk to them. Yeah, because I just want our, <laughs> guests, our guests need to know that just like our listeners, they are part of the Best to the Nest family. Yes. And, um, you know, Annalisha and I were already talking yesterday. She said, "Are you? do you think you guys want to do some events? Like, what are you thinking with this? And we said, Ooh. yeah. I said, the wheels are turning, and Annalisha's in, oh. right? <laughs> yes. 
Absolutely. Oh, I, I'm really inspired by what the two of you are doing. Thanks for putting this out. It's oh. so cool. Oh, thank you for being with us. Thanks, Annalisha. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. I love Annalisha Lynn. Annalisha Lynn Nimala. She used to go by her middle name. Now she decided to really commit to her marriage and go by Nimala. Did you know that, Marjorie? I was giving her a hard time about that. We were laughing. She is, um, Annalisha is fantastic. And I'm so glad that she was part of the podcast conversation. And I, I mean, she just has like a really wonderful calming energy about her. So if you want to know more about her, exercise180.com is her website. That's where you can find out a lot more about her. You can also find her on Facebook and Instagram. And we'll, of course, post in our show notes and um, on our social media challenge, uh, channels where you can find out more about her. So you can put a face to the name. And Loved to, it. Love talking to her. So, impo- so, so important. Yeah, it was wonderful. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and share it with a friend. And if you have a moment, give us a little review at Apple Podcasts. We have one from Conductorson. Hmm. Okay. Ladies, I'm so glad to hear your sweet voices once again. In a hey. world full of unbelievable stories, I find your stories are real and so relatable. I know life gets crazy. Please don't stop doing this podcast. Thank you for gracing the airwaves once again. Okay, that's a wonderful review. And on a day when I have mm-hmm. multiple recordings, shoots, and a flight to catch, don't worry. I'm in it to win it. We're sticking <laughs> with it. Not going we anywhere. are sticking with it. <laughs> and please reach out to us. You can find both of us on Instagram at Best to the Nest or at Eliz Reese and at It's Me Marjorie One. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Be kind to yourselves, everybody. True. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.